Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jones. Um, so I'm still shopping, right? Right before we got on here, I started doing um, a little bit of the Christmas shopping because I haven't done any Christmas shopping. I think the only Christmas shopping that I've done so far, and I ain't actually accomplished this, by the way, but like the only Christmas shopping that I've done is my parents redid uh, the basement at their house and they want to put a ping pong table down there. Now, my parents are a combined 156 years old. I don't get the feeling they're going to be down there doing no Forrest Gump type shit. But my brother tells me that, you know, in his day, they had a ping pong table in the basement back then. So maybe they want to recapture some of that nostalgia. Anyway, they wanted us all to go in on it. And I still got to put my third, I suppose, uh, in on it. But that's kind of the extent of the Christian shopping that I was doing. So one of my buddies, he's got a 10 year old son, like the little fella. So I was going online to figure out what I wanted to get him for Christmas. And so it had been recommended to me that under these circumstances, what you do is uh, you, uh, what you would call it? Um, you, oh, just Google best gifts for a 10 year old. Okay. So I Google best gifts for a 10 year old. And I got to say, I wasn't really excited about the option that they were providing because I was looking at what was on the list for the best gifts for a 10 year old. And I was like, yo, man, y'all go ahead a little homie out here looking lame. And then I realized my concern was actually not about the fact that it had him looking lame. I was concerned the fact it had me looking lame. Like the last thing I ever want to be in this game is the dude who gets a kid a gift that is not age appropriate and gets the age inappropriateness in the too younger direction. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to be the dude that's getting a 13-year-old kid an action figure from the GoBots or something like that, you know? Like, when the kid wants something hip, you want to at least be smart enough to give him a gift card because you don't know what the hell is hip to people that age, but you don't want to patronize the little fella, you know? He'll never let you live that down. You'll never be trusted again. You go from being cool Uncle Bo to just Bo Monty. like, just that fast. I don't want that. But right, let me Google up right now what they said best gifts for a 10-year-old. And I'm just curious to know what some of you guys think about these. Yeah, best gift for 10-year-old boy. So, like, I'm looking at it. Uh, yeah, I'll go to this website and see what they had to say about it. There was one website called Born Cute, and I was like, there's no way in the world that's going to work. All right, so this one is I see the big book of boy stuff. It's got, like, practical jokes and stuff like that. And I feel like, eh, I don't know about that for 10. You know, there seems to be lots of different types of Legos. This is make your own Lego movie. You use the app and Legos to make super creative stop motion animation. And that sounds mad futuristic, something my childlike brain wouldn't be able to conceive of when I was 10 years old. But, like, I don't know. I guess I looked at all of these and I just didn't feel like this was like what you get a 10 year old kid for Christmas. I just didn't feel that way. They did have something, though, that I did think a 10 year old would like. Yeah, right here, the slappy watch. Right. I guess it's kind of like the slap braces, except it's like a watch. Like, I felt like maybe that'll be something that a 10 year old would dig. But otherwise, man, I was going through this. Hey, I'm looking right here. Amphibious remote control shark car. And I was trying to think, like, was I still engaging in these sorts of activities when I was 10 years old? Like, I got a bad grasp on it. Now, my 10 was a little different, too, because I was grade skipping. But I, I have no concept of what age any child is. I don't know how big you're supposed to be at an age. I don't know what kind of stuff you're supposed to be into when you're at an age. I have no idea. Like, that is the thing I realize with my friends having children. I have to ask them all kinds of very basic questions about, like, what is the kid supposed to be able to do at this point, right? Like, when it comes time to, like, get books for kids and stuff like that, 
I don't feel very comfortable using the gauge of the I read it when I was 10. It's a little unfair to the little fellas coming behind me. It's asking a whole lot out of them. I know some of y'all think that's an arrogant thing for me to say, but you know damn well what I'm talking about. You know, man, Gino in the chat room says, get the kids steam toys for future programmers. I don't know this kid, no damn future program. One thing I will say, by the way, while I think it's probably good for kids to be able to do all that stuff right there, I ain't trying to turn everybody into that particular variety of geek. We need people who can do other stuff, too. You know, and I guess the argument's going to wind up being, well, these are the things that'll get you a job or whatever. Ain't all them people going to get jobs coding. They don't need that many people to do that stuff. Somebody's going to have to teach little stupid kids to read. Anyway, let's go see what some of these questions is hot about. Offset doesn't have any friends that can tell him this is an incredibly bad look. Yeah, the homie Offset is not in a great place uh, when it comes to this thing with him and his wife. And, you know, like you having back and forth in public or something with your girlfriend, I feel like that's kind of one thing. But, like, when you married, like, I don't, you know, uh, 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 it's a little gross. Like, all of this is just a little bit gross. And what I don't think that Offset I don't know if he's fully doing the math on this, man. But as things stand right now, um, you kind of messing with America's sweetheart. Like, that is an unexpected development of 2018. But Cardi B, in a way, has really kind of sort of become America's sweetheart. There's not a lot of room out there for people with bad things to say about Cardi B. And also, to be fair, I don't find myself overwhelmed with bad things to say about her. Like, what, what is the bad thing I'm supposed to say? Like, the worst thing I can say about Cardi B is, at least as far as I can tell, she ain't doing a whole lot of writing on her records. But I, don't, I ain't really looking at Cardi B as no MC. Like, this is an entertainer. This is, this is taking the template of a pop star and using rap to get there. Okay, cool. Like, that's about all I got, though, that's negative to say about her. She made people feel good. People are inspired by her story. And, oh, by the way, the record was good. You, you can't lose sight of that. The record was good. So she's married to Offset. Offset one of the Migos. And, I mean, I don't know what it's going to look like, you know, down the line or whatever when people think about these things. But it is worth considering that, I mean, this is, I don't think power couple is necessarily the appropriate way to put it because I don't think either one of them actually has any power. But Migos are like a really big deal. Cardi B is like a really big deal. Like this is two high levels of stardom uh, coming together. Now, one thing that happened when they got together and see to me, this is the thing that she going to regret. Y'all can't have the same management. Like I don't care how good his management is. Y'all can't have the same management. I think one of the things that happens, and maybe this is the fatalism about me, I guess if you're married to somebody, you have to assume that you're going to be with them forever. You know, like that's the principle that you got to ride with. You're going to be with them forever. I guess so. But you got to entertain the possibility. Hey, first of all, these are his people before they was ever your people. Right. Let's start there. These are his people before they was ever your people. Boom. We got that. Two. I make the argument the offset has a lot more to gain from his association with Cardi B than vice versa at this point. I think we all agree there also. Okay. So you got these people around offset and now they're your people. This is all one thing. Okay. Here's what I think is going on. And I ain't really got no proof. This isn't like no reported stuff or anything else. I ain't really made no calls. But I feel like from watching this, and this is the part that makes me terribly uncomfortable about it. I do believe that what we're watching to a degree is a con. Right. I do believe that we are getting gas. I do believe that this is a publicity stunt where I probably disagree with some of you, though, is I don't think either of the two stars of the stunt are in on the stunt portion of this. I think that those are two people who love each other and are in a relationship that seems to have a whole bunch of problems and that is playing out in front of everyone. I think that dude messed up. I think that dude wants her back. 
I don't think that dude has any idea how to get her back. And to be honest, I wouldn't have any advice to give him on how to do so. You know, that's just me. I'm a little weird when it comes to the principle of forgiveness. Not even weird. I just think that this is, you know, and I say, don't try this at home. This is just my thought process on these matters. If you do something that requires that somebody forgive you, it's probably because you did something selfish. You can ask that person for forgiveness. If that person don't want to give you forgiveness, I feel like you need to let that person not forgive you. I feel like you need to give that person time and space, whatever it is to deal with. But if you keep coming back with the baby, please, please forgive me, please forgive me. What are you in effect doing at that point? You are doubling down on your substance because you are now once again asking for something that you want at the expense of what that person is ready for. Like, that's my thought. You ask her to take you back. She ain't doing it. You just got to let it breathe. Right. That's probably fair to all parties. But that man is not in a position where he can let it breathe. And all of us, let us be fair, have been in a position where we were no longer able to just let it breathe. And you get to that place where you're doing the kind of stuff that people write songs about. Like, I don't know, showing up $15,000 worth of flowers talking about baby, come, baby, baby, please, baby, come back, baby, please. Now, the thing that we learned about this at, uh, you know, as we got more information about what happened at the Rolling Loud is that it appeared that Cardi B's publicist was in on this. Because, see, here's the thing. If you're a publicist, this is gold. This is all pub. You know what I mean? Like, if your job is to get publicity, now your job also should be to a degree to manage it. But if your job is to get publicity, this is publicity. I firmly believe that all them people back there knew what in the world was about to happen. I don't believe for a second that Cardi B is one of those people who knew what was about to happen. And she didn't seem to act in such a way to indicate that she knew what was going on. I feel like all these other people around here, the ones that see the profit on it. And in the end, what you got in the front is real people. Like, that's the thing about this. And I think that there's another level of this. I can't remember if I talked about this in the other spot, but there's another level of this that I think is interesting, which is um, I am at an age where I am not native to the social media space. This ain't where I'm from. Like, I picked it up. I, you know, I moved to town. But, like, it ain't where I'm from. I'm 38. It's not that. They, what, like, 25, 26 in that zone okay so let's take it back to like eight years ago like 2010 that's when these people would be like in high school right they're of that age that's when they would be in high school they are native to this this is what they are of and part of being native to the social media space is a public relationship It is venting your frustrations on the Internet. You know, when you feel you need a certain level of attention for whatever reason, that's where you take it. Right. This is before we even get to the part about them being famous. This is just kind of the way that people get down. Like the idea that this that you would be in a situation where Cardi B is like, look, you know, I got my situation with my baby father. I'm not going to be with him no more, you know, da, 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 so forth and so on. You know, she does that. And that was in large part like a public statement. But that was also the kind of thing that like regular people do. You know what I mean? Like that's not just something that a famous person would do. That would be something that regular people do. Like these sorts of behaviors are just kind of commonplace with people right now. And there's obviously a negative side to like having your relationship out there in public because the thing about letting people in your business is like letting them in your house. It's a whole lot easier to let them in than it is to get them out. You know, so they wanted us to be in this to a degree when it was profitable. And then when it's not, they're like, hey, we want privacy. Totally understand where it is that you're coming from. That shit just don't work. That's not what it is. And so now you imagine being Cardi B. You just had a baby. Dude you married to ain't acting right. You're not feeling it. He's bringing it even more in public than you're comfortable bringing it. And it appears that your own people are in on this to put this stuff out here in a way that you don't want to be put out here. I don't want to be either one of them right now. 
to be honest. That ain't like no level of defense for him or nothing like that. I just would not want to be either one of them in this situation. But like, these are the times, man. And I don't know how exactly they're supposed to get out of it. And oh, by the way, the dude Offset got an album that's coming out pretty soon. Ain't nobody about to be talking about your album. Oh, by the way, let's get back to where we started here originally on this. Where we started originally was about Offset getting his bad advice. And this is the part that I feel like Offset ain't been paying attention to. And you guys let me know. Like, did the youngsters care about the Beyonce Jay-Z tour from the summer? And I asked if the youngsters cared about that tour from the summer because, look, man, the Hive, they weren't happy with Jay. Not even the littlest bit. They were not pleased with him. He did a girl wrong. And, and Beyonce, they girl, right? He did that girl wrong. Beyonce had to spend the whole damn tour trying to get people to like Jay-Z again. Like, so the idea is just like, yo, we're going to get a lot of publicity behind this. This ain't the publicity that Offset want. Offset don't want the publicity until they holding hands, sitting on the set of Ellen, talking about how they got everything fixed. Like, that, that's what he want. But for right now, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Like I say, you remember Tupac, you talk about rap for the ladies? He ain't called them ladies, but I'm going to do that. He'd be like, yo, 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 uh, you know, rapping for the ladies. That's what you do. The ladies like it. Then all the dudes will follow. Hey, man, I got bad news for you, man. Ladies don't like this offset. Your next shit best be jamming, jamming. Otherwise, it's all downhill for you, homie. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got, too. Somebody here talking about, do I ever listen to J.I.D.? So you telling me that that's not the same dude as the uh, the classic man? People been asking me about this J.I.D., and I assume they was talking about the classic man. That's a different person than the classic man. Yeah, 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 J.I.D., Georgina. So this J.I.D. Is, is, okay, so J.I.D. is a totally different person. Okay, that's cool. Hey, I ain't going to be talking about me. Like, that was some kind of stupid question. They both start with J.I.D. It's kind of like when ASAP Rocky dropped, and some of us will have a generation be like, ASAP Rock? He out here? And they'd be like, yo, ASAP Rocky. And I'm like, yo, man, real hip-hop, you know what I'm saying? ASAP Rock. And then I found out ASAP Rocky was a totally different person. All right, let me see, let me see. What was more audacious? Jacquees King of R&B claim or trying to run up on Keith Sweat claiming he has a 16 to 25-year-old demo on lock. I saw that. Now, I got to tell you, man, I ain't never heard of this Jacquees dude until right now. Can one of y'all tell me if his music is any good? I truly have no idea. He seems to be very confident about himself. And I, you know, I live in New York now, so I don't really have no circumstance where I'm in a car and I got real control of the radio. So I don't really, you know, got no way to get hip to nothing like that. Uh, we got, he seems to have some mixed reviews over here. Some people say he's got some problems. Some people say he's a remix singer. People saying he's decent. You know, no, no like full on conclusion here that I can draw here, other dude. So I'm not going to say anything bad about him because I don't know nothing about him. All I'm going to tell you is this. I don't know who this dude is, but he got like all these threads about how inextricably inextricably linked like street game and the dope game was to the music game back in the day. And I saw a picture with Keith Sweat with Alpo. And I can't really tell you no particulars about Alpo, but I feel like I know enough to know that Alpo was a dude that was running a whole lot of weight back in the day. And Keith Sweat just posted up with him. Keith Sweat, like local around these parts. And I'm just telling you, uh, Keith Sweat is not a dude that you want problems with. Uh, I got a homeboy. He got an auntie who, like, works in the concert game. He told me he hung out with Keith Sweat one time. And I remember some dude got on Twitter and was talking about how he thought know, Keith Sweat was a simp. He was in Keith Sweat's music. And he was like, don't you get this twisted, young man. Ain't no, ain't not no little bit of simp in Keith Sweat. 
you run up on Keith Sweat and be like, hey, you got the, oh, you got the, you know, he was king back then. I got 16 to 25. And to be fair, I mean, I don't know who does have the 16 to 25 demographic, but I do know that it's not Keith Sweat. I'm positive of that. In fact, I shudder in fear at the thought of what Keith Sweat would have to do to get the 16 to 25 year old demographic. And can you imagine how embarrassing that music would have to be? Think about it. R. Kelly ain't even trying to get them no more. And R. Kelly was a forever young type motherfucker for a long time. Yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, like that's what it is. And I guess that got to that like long discussion people had about who was the king of R&B. So here's the thing about that discussion, at least as far as I as I feel it. What does R&B mean? Like R&B is truly to me like the most useless term. Because I feel like most people, when they are using the phrase R&B, are using it to refer to, you know, black people singing music, like as much as anything else from like the 80s, 90s and later. But R&B itself as a term is something that was come up with basically. I don't think it was come up with to take rock and roll away from us. But white folks did rock and roll. And then when it was black people, they called it rhythm and blues. You know, just we couldn't have rock and roll no more. They seemed to want that. So I never know like what exactly it is that people are talking about. So are we like legitimately and honestly putting like Marvin Gaye in the same discussion as what's that boy named Jacques? No, I, I, I don't. I don't even know what people mean when they're saying that. People ask me who who you got is your king of R and B. I'm like, yo, you want to talk to me about funk? I might got something for you. You want to talk to me about soul? I'm pretty good with that. But R&B, as I think most people are de- describing it, man, if they weren't rapping, I wasn't really trying to hear it. You know, that was me. I can't say for nobody else. So I don't know who, who, who the king of r and I don't know. Like, is James Brown in this discussion? Like, what exactly are we talking about? And they know James Brown, the Godfather, so well, who are these other people? I have no idea. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. You're going to delete your Facebook account. Hmm. Yeah, so I guess Facebook got caught. We found out that they were sending your, letting Netflix and Spotify read your messages. Shout out to Netflix and Spotify with the, we didn't even know we were able to do that. Yeah, okay, buddy. <laughs> That's what we that that's the game we're trying to play now, huh? Okay. I see you. I see you. Um I don't know. I haven't like I log on to my Facebook account so rarely. I don't really participate in Facebook. I am surprised by how many people like really go and check their news feeds and they on there on Facebook arguing with people and you know the whole thing about your family's putting stuff up. I I don't kick it on Facebook like that. Like I don't I don't use that as some badge of honor um, or anything like that. I just don't. I found myself using Twitter much more for these things just because I found the interface. Like if I was trying to actually have a discussion with people, I found the interface on Twitter to be far more useful. So I always did that. Um, the thing about like deleting your Facebook account, I could delete my Facebook account. Like I could do that without too much of an issue. But everybody knows what the tricky thing is in trying to purge yourself from Facebook is Instagram. That's the one, like, especially at this point, you know, for me and like career type stuff and whatever, um, it would be a little difficult to delete Instagram. But the truth is, you know, me, I'm in a little different place right now. I am no longer interested in sharing any of my life with you guys. Like, I'm just not. I ain't really I ain't really trying to give y'all no pictures. I ain't really trying to tell y'all what I did last weekend. Um, that's kind of the place where I am. So I would lose nothing from getting off Facebook myself. I don't think I would lose a single thing. The thing that, that about Facebook, and this is part of why Facebook is so entrenched and will be, 
everybody's on it. Like you can go find just about anybody on Facebook. Like that's the thing that they have going for them. Um, but I don't know. Maybe at some point we'll see how it goes. I do question, like at this point though, how much of a value it's serving to be on Facebook all the time. Like I've logged it off of most devices that I have, at least as many devices as I can think of. Uh, somebody over here said, "Did you have a bad experience, or are you a naturally private person?" Well, I mean, I would say that I'm private to a degree, but dude, this is the thing that you got to get at this point about my life, man. I'm not like just kicking it like some regular dude anymore. You know, like when, when what I was doing professionally was of a scale and scope that. Okay. So give you a story. It's scarf. I got right here. One of my old listeners sent it to me. He sent me a scarf. He sent me one of his favorite records. It was really, and he sent me a letter that was with it that was really touching. And I won't go into the particulars of it, but he told me that part of why he rocks with me and what I've done in the way that he does is because he started listening to the Morning Jones at a time where he was kind of going through some things. And that community that we were able to build around that show became a community that helped him get out of that place. You know, it helped him get to a place that was better for him. And what I had at that time was a fairly broad reach, but it was still small and intimate enough that we could do stuff like, you know, we went to Mike Chicago for Mike Hitman's birthday one time. We all just hanging out in the hotel, going to dinner, you know, going to club, partying all night, you know, like all that stuff. Like that was the kind of thing that we could do. And so when it was working at that scale, it it was like sharing what I was doing with my life was cool because I was really just dealing with friends. You know, like the people that were aware of who I was were people who rock with me and who rock with what I was doing. That's not what I do anymore. Like the work I do is like in a different place now. It belongs to a different set of people. The reactions are different. And so I'm not, no, I'm not there. Like this is no, like what I do is no longer just the crew anymore. This is for the public and I'm not with that. Uh, And the other thing is, it's kind of like, regardless of what it is that I want to do or what I am trying to do. um, So much of this stuff is performance now. Like Instagram is performance. And I guess performance is perhaps unfair, but, you know, all of this stuff is like means communication. All of this stuff is done with an awareness that is being shown to the public. And most people are going to do that. They wish to project a certain picture. And I think we all think to a degree before we post something about how it is going to be received. And there's some ways that we do and do not want to be received. We do not want to be misunderstood, whatever it is. So a lot of this stuff is carefully curated in that way. Um, but also a lot of it is performance. A lot of it is people sending the signal out there to everybody else about what their life is and how they want people to think about their lives. And so one thing that I do think happens is this stuff happens so broadly, you know, and once this becomes what so many people do, what you post or what you put up is then going to be evaluated through that lens is then going to be evaluated through the lens of a performance. And so, I don't know how easy it is at this point for anybody in my position to both present sincerely and have it be received as though it is sincere. Like all of that, all these things are just kind of complicated by, you know, what I do now and where I do it and the way that I do it. And so, I mean, what you even want to know about my life for in the first place? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like somebody said something about, yeah, you don't really give us any of your personal life. Why? Why? What do you want it for? So, yeah. Um, you can. Yeah. No. So it's not like I had a bad. I mean, I guess I have had some bad experiences, but it's not really specific to the idea of having a bad experience. It's just kind of an awareness of looking around on it and being like, hey, man. 
I got to be able to keep some of this to myself at some point. You know, like you got to think about this, man. It's a true story. This is like the weirdest thing happens to me. This isn't the first time this has happened, but this did happen a couple of days ago. Um, I looked in my Instagram inbox for people who don't follow me. I don't do that very often because it's people who don't follow me. So anyway, or I don't follow, whatever. Anyway, I went in there and a dude sent me a picture of me sitting on the subway. Yeah. And so I hit him back. And I was like, yo, do you realize how creepy this is? I was like, my fault. I didn't even know if it was you. I guess it is. My bad. Yeah. Like, I'll wind up getting, you know, such and such posted you in his Instagram story. And it'll be a dude like this happened. This dude took a picture of me walking down the street, going to work. And said, when you see your idol or something like that, but you're too scared to talk. What? Yeah, yeah, no, man. So, I mean, I have a hard enough time just keeping my walking around life. Yeah, no, the other thing, in fact, I remember this. I had gone down, we was... Me and all the guys from the show were in Midtown and I was there with my brother and I see this dude and he just keeps trying to get a picture and he's trying to get a picture on a sneak. And it finally reached a point where I just looked at him and was like, dog, what the fuck? My bad, man. I'm just a really big fan. All this stuff. Like I'm looking at him as he's fumbling with the camera and I'm just like, like, what are you doing? So, yeah. I would like to keep some of my life to myself and the lives of the people around me, some of it to themselves. All right, let me see what else we got here. R&B is a broad term, like you said. Yesterday, Tamala and David Mann announced they are releasing some Christian baby-making music. Clean R&B. Did you hear about this? And are you intrigued? I did hear about this. I saw it briefly. And let me explain to you why this confuses me. Okay. Now, you have to remember that I am not a religious man, nor am I a married man. However, okay, and you guys let me know if I got this back. Maybe my my opinion of this is, I don't know. Maybe I'm just viewing this through much, through my own heathen-like lens, okay? You let me know here. But you telling me that I got to go through everything it takes to get married so that we can have clean sex? Do I have this right? You know, because I understand, like, if you bought this Christian life and you're not married, you know, and y'all need some hand-holding music, you know what I'm saying? Y'all need some promise ring music. I get that. Heavy petting music, you know? Apologize the day after music. I get all that. But I thought that once y'all got married, it was just on and popping. Have I been lied to? I mean, okay. I know you married people like to say it don't crack like it used to, but I thought that once you got married, like everything was on the table. That was the way that I saw it. You know, so like clean baby making music. That just seems to be hustling backwards in the worst way. It seems to be completely antithetical to the idea and the process. It don't seem right. Now, what I want to know is who's actually going to buy that shit? Like, that's what I want to know. They can go out here. They can record it. 
But I need somebody to tell me, is there an actual audience for this? Or maybe there will be people who buy it to say that they bought it. But how many of them are actually going to use it? And I, I got this question. Like when they start writing one of those songs and they start recording it and they go back and listen to it. If it's too good, do they just throw it out? Because I feel like if your baby making music is good, it ain't going to be clean in the way it ain't going to make you feel like clean in the way that they sang it. Wow. Either way, this dude, Alex, just said something in the chat that lets me know that he is an amateur. Some ways are the best ways, buddy. Yeah, Alex, damn, you do sound like an amateur. You ain't impressing nobody with that. Who's the person that doesn't like that? Uh, as the chat room goes and sees what he said. Someone said in the chat room, if you just join, scroll up like people don't know how chats work. And that's nice of you, Adetokoun, Adetokoun. Excuse me if I mispronounced it. I read it wrong the first time. All right, let's see if y'all got anything else I feel like answering. Are there any passion projects you're anxious to tackle in the near future? That is a very good question. I have not engaged in what is truly a passion project in quite a while. Um, like, I don't know if I would count this TV show that I'm working on right now as a passion project. And I work really hard to get to a place where this would be something that I could do. And in a number of ways, it is exactly what I wanted. But I don't know if I would like deem that at this point to be like a passion uh, project. Like, I don't know, I guess I kind of, now that the work is on the scale that it's on now, like I talked about before, it just kind of feel different. So like the morning Jones, I'd say it was a passion project. Uh, Bomani and Jones, YouTube stuff. That was a passion project. Um, this isn't that like, it's, it's not, it's not really that same sort of vibe. I got a few things I'm thinking about, you know, I'm perhaps want to find a way to, um, get going. I got I got a few things that I'm thinking about at this point, but I've been I got a TV show we just started. It's only been off seven months, so like that's kind of where my focus is has been and will be for a little while longer at least. <sighs> Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got. I recently learned of who James Baldwin was, and he was a really intriguing guy. How do you feel about him? Hey, you know he's I. There's somebody who's like listening to this or doesn't know that much about me that is so furious. <laughs> he just all right. What's that supposed to mean? What you think you can do better? Somehow I feel like I answered this already, but I can't remember. Do you plan to write anything before the end of 2018? Anything in the works? I don't have anything in the works. I've had like two or three things in like the last week or so that I've wanted to write, but just haven't really been able to get myself in a position to actually do it. I got a little more time to do it, but I guess most of the editors I know are going to be out. Like I wanted to write some about Oxnard compared to Malibu, but that's been out now for a month. So I don't know what the market is necessarily on that. Thought about doing something on that LL Cool J article the New Yorker did that bounced around that everybody was so mad at, even though like we black people have been saying very similar things about LL Cool J for like 25 years. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything planned. I haven't had anything that's just made me jump up and be like, yo, I got to write um, about this. I just haven't really been in that space. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I like to try to at least write one thing per year. So. We'll see if I can get around to it. Actually, I like to write more than one thing per year, but I want to at least get one thing done per year. Appreciate the question. All right, let me try to find me one more before we get up out of here. 
What's the worst position to have in the White House right now? I mean, I feel like the answer to this question is pretty obvious. The answer to this question, by the way, is pretty much the same as the answer always is to that question. It's the president of the United States. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen to the rest of the people? They get fired? Do you want to work there? Like, forget about the politics, man. I just be reading the news. It's stressful as hell over there. Like, would you want to work there? Nah. Y'all want to fire me? I'll take it. You know what I'm saying? There's only one dude over there that can't get fired. And I assure you, he's the guy having less fun than anybody else is. Trust me. All right, I see somebody wants me to tell the story of the whole ship. They're saying that since it's the last podcast of the year, would I mind retelling the story of the whole ship? I've been telling you guys story, the story of the whole ship for about six, seven years or so. For you, I am going to tell the story of the whole ship. I know that some of you have probably heard me mention the whole ship and you've wondered what it is they were talking about when we say the whole ship. So I got a friend who has a friend and that friend was one day recounting the story of the time, not the time he got divorced, why it was that he got divorced. And so he said that um, his wife worked for Carnival, Norwegian, one of those, right? And so she was going out on the water, you know, you know, working on a cruise ship, you know? So she'd go out, she'd come back. Um, but something kind of didn't seem right to him. And then one day after she got back off the ship, um, some dude called. And I believe the way this part was told to me, his name was Esteban or something like that. And Esteban got on the phone and did not say, like, may I speak to Toya? He got on the phone with, where's Toya? And he said that to this man who's answering the phone in his his own house. And so now he's like, Mm, I don't know about this dog. And so he decided to tap the phone of the house, put a recording device on the phone at the house. And so he did that, but he felt bad about it. You know what I mean? Like you feel like you should be able to trust your woman or whatever it is. He didn't feel like that should have been some situation that, uh, that it shouldn't have been that. But he, but he, but he put the put tap on the phone, and he had actually kind of forgot that it was there, you know. And then one day he decides to go ahead and listen to what's on the tape, and he's listening, and it's his woman, his wife, and she's talking to her mom, and she's like, "Mom, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I, I think, I think he knows. Like, I think, I, I think, I think Jimmy knows." what's going on um and she starts getting real nervous she's just like i don't know i just know i'm just i'm just scared i mean like i'm just just like i just don't understand like what's he gonna do when he finds out i'm fucking the whole ship not a dude on the ship not like a particular wing of the staff The whole ship. The whole ship. And so after that, she then hung up the phone. And because she was very stressed out about what might happen, she then began to call other people. And so my man heard her tell this story. Again, and again, and again. And the thing about this story is, 
I don't know if there's any scenario a person could have presented that sounds worse than the whole ship. The whole locker room doesn't sound so great, but it don't hit you in the same place as the whole ship. There was a woman on, I believe it was divorce court, who spent her night hanging out with the Wu-Tang Clan until like six o'clock in the morning. And the Wu-Tang Clan has a lot of people. But that ain't a ship. That ain't a ship. She brought scurvy back into their home. Right back into the crib. The whole ship. Now, let me tell you what's interesting about this, as I know that you are processing this. Okay. What makes the story of the whole ship so amazing is even with me telling you that the punchline was coming, you weren't ready. Like you knew what the line was. You weren't ready. There is something about that moment when you hear that, those three words, the whole ship, that everything is like, wait, what? Like, whoa, 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 the whole ship? And so the thing for me about the whole ship is that when I was first made aware of the whole ship, I had never seen a cruise ship before. Then I moved to Miami. I saw a cruise ship. Those are massive structures. They're really big. Like, I'm sure she didn't mean it literally. Right? Like, I'm positive she didn't mean it literally. But you know why I can be so sure that she didn't mean it literally? Because she's not my wife. That's why I can say that. Imagine hearing that. The way it hits you to hear the words, the whole ship. Imagine they was talking about the whole ship. But it's your woman. The whole ship. So my buddy who told me that story. We haven't done it in a long time. But I'm going to do it right now. And just see what happens when I send him this text. And all the text is going to say is the whole ship. I want to see if he replies in a time period that I need for us to wrap up this show to me simply saying the whole ship. Yeah, guys, it's the greatest story ever. There is no better story. There's nothing that, no, no. And you're right, Kiki. I bet she don't be listening to no clean R&B. Like, do you realize how furious you would be if you and your woman had been at the crib listening to all that clean R&B only for you to pull out your recording equipment to hear the whole ship? Right. Right. You've been listening to an album with a song called Let's Make Love Respected, Respectfully. You know? Do me like a lady. You've been listening to all of that. Little did you know, the whole ship. You know? Is it okay if I do that right there, please? 
That's the song. That's the song y'all listen to on y'all's wedding night. Meanwhile, on the whole ship, I feel like we've been talking about the whole ship for like ten minutes now, and we could talk about it for ten more. However, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here on the evening Jones. We're back on the road. We're back trying to get this done here about once a week. Uh, one thing about it, man, we've been having some trouble with the feed for the subscription. Uh, so hopefully we'll have that straightened away that y'all can deal with, but we'll, you know, we'll get that taken care of. My man, Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Uh, also thanks to Omad's design for their help as this is our last show of the year. And this as a reminder, as we get people who are new here, uh, but this is a very important thing that I need everybody to understand is I can keep my stuff going the way that I keep it going. And it's because of the people that are behind me keeping this going, and that is primarily Lance Gilliam. Lance, I could not imagine having somebody who is more dedicated and more loyal to what it is that we've been doing here for a very long time, which you hope to have if you're in a position like the position I'm in, is you hope to have somebody who will treat your work and your business with the same care and concern that they would treat their own. There ain't nothing I need Lance to do. That Lance won't find a way to get done immediately. And we've been working together now on all this stuff for, I guess, like seven years, man. You know, seven, eight years, like somewhere in that zone. We've been doing this for a long time. And I am forever indebted to what he has helped to provide this. This podcast can only go because Lance handles all the stuff so that I don't have to. And, as we do, as I try to do every year around this time, I can't thank him enough for all the help that he has given to doing this show. And so if you enjoy it, I think you should also thank Lance because unlike me, you don't have to pay him. That's right. At least you can do is say thanks. But all right. Uh, if you can't watch Even Jones Live, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the iTunes store, subscribe at Stitcher Radio, check us out. On SoundCloud, we are also at the Google Play Store, and I'll talk to you guys in 2019. Take it easy.